Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Think of you sometime, and I want to spend some time with you. Just the two of us. Was this requested for the Mark Spector segment? I don't know. I mean, interesting musical selection. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brennan Escott joining you. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Uh, I do want to mention we just had Wayne Gretzky on the show today. It's the 34th anniversary. You heard Wayne say, you know, we've talked about a lot over the years. So um, just uh, always gracious with his time. And we caught him in the middle of a golf game. I, I was unaware of that when he texted me back and said, hey, we're good to go here today. So... Awesome. Uh, let's do this. Mark Spector joins us every Tuesday and Friday for Oilers Now. The Western Canada's biggest day in racing is the 93rd running of the Canadian Derby. It takes place Saturday, August 20th at Century Mile. Yes, I know it's the final of the World Junior Championship. I'm going to the race because uh, uh, we've committed to them to do that, and we're looking forward to uh, doing that. We will head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline right now, and welcome back to the show, Sportsnet Spec, Mark Spector. Hello, Spec. How are you doing? Just the two of us, Bob. That's that's a great theme song, I think. Don't you? Yeah. Uh, either that, or is it Dave Mason that sings? Dave Mason that sings. Uh, we just disagree. Uh, from... Yeah, we just disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, we don't disagree. We don't. Dis- the, the irony of this, Mark, in our relationship over the years is like we're not drinking buddies in town or anything like that. Uh, well, for one, I'd have to be out at your lake because you're there all the time, uh, and we see things a little bit different on on some issues. And it doesn't yeah. mean that I'm right or that you're right. Um, but I want to I want to start because it is the 34th anniversary of the Wayne Gretzky trade. We just had Wayne on the show. Uh, it's pretty cool that he was uh, golfing with Sean Payton, and he knew that Sean Payton briefly was with the Ottawa Rough Riders organization. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, tell me this. Uh, where were you when the trade happened? What do you remember about it? I was uh, – my start date at the end of the journal was in May of 1987. So in August of 88, I was uh, still like a boxing reporter, a U of A reporter, uh, what else did I cover? I was starting on the trappers, I think, but I had nothing to do with the orders at that point in time. But it was all hands on deck, right? They had the press conference got announced in the morning at the they was going to the Molson House, and I was not one of the legions of journalists who went there. I was assigned to stay back at the journal and stay in the newsroom and make a bunch of phone calls to get reaction from the hockey world. And the one guy that I did call uh, was Walter Gretzky. And I called Walter Gretzky and said, hey, you know, what do you think of this trade? He pretended like he didn't know. Bob, to this day, I'd like to say I'm the guy that informed uh, Walter Gretzky of the trade, but I think he was just being polite to me and making me think that I informed. I'm sure that he knew about it already, but that was Walter, man. He was like, oh, is that right, Mark? Well, that's a hell of a scoop you got there. 
<laughs> well, Wayne just talked. Wayne just talked about being tapped on the shoulder by Walter, knowing that something was coming. So, and and again, it was not a trade; it was a sale. Glenn Sather himself. We did the 25th anniversary. Steve Hogle, who does some work with the Edmonton Riverhawks, uh, helped coordinate a lot of the stuff at that time with Glenn Sather and Bruce McNall and Peter Pocklington. And we did a in the, the summer of 20 uh, on the anniversary in 2013. We had a bunch of those guys on. And uh, Glenn said, make no mistake, this was a sale of Wayne Gretzky to the L.A. Kings. Uh, Listen, anyone who's hung around Glenn Sather at any time, and I'm not saying we're close buddies, but I spent a lot of time around Slats in my day. Anyone who's been there and has someone around him has brought up the, remember the Wayne Gretzky trade? They were very swiftly corrected, Bob. <laughs> it was not the Wayne Gretzky trade, right? The, it was always in Slats' world, the Wayne Gretzky sale. And don't screw it up a second time because he would inform you immediately what, that, what the exact description of that trade was. Not a, not a trade, but a sale. Yeah, I saw Glenn last year at the Kevin Lowe uh, summer event, the Toast of the Town, and then also obviously in town for when the Rangers were in town back in November. Uh, one thing I, I always liked about Glenn, he, he maybe didn't tell you what you wanted to hear because he wouldn't lie nope. to you. He wouldn't nope. lie to you, and I kind of like that in people. Uh, sometimes sure. you know, the God honest truth is the best thing to have. Mark Spector joining us right now, Sportsnet Spec. By the way, Spec, when you were at the boxing beat, uh, yeah. In '87, was Kenny Lacusta like one of the? He would have. That was the. Uh, was that no? '86 was the year of the big Lacusta fight, wasn't there? I'm trying to think. I, I bumped well, it. I covered the the big two Dewitt Lacusta fights. Okay. And they, so I believe they were '87 and maybe '88. Okay. The first one drew like you know about fifteen thousand people at the old Northlands Coliseum. It was a big deal. Uh, that was the waning, uh, you know, uh, uh, Willie DeWitt was still a big guy, Bob, you remember, but I think history tells us that after the Burt Cooper fight, which I believe was in 86 and, and I wasn't working that fight in Regina on Valentine's right. day, uh, after that fight, I think in every, certainly in Willie's mind, I think he realized, okay, I'm going to be I a lawyer. <laughs> I can make some money at this. I can have some success at this. Rod Proudfoot was an excellent manager. We can make some money, and, and I can pay for a law degree down the road. I'm not going to win a World Heavyweight Boxing Championship. Yeah. So he fought the Lacusta. That was a good bank a couple of times. And uh, there's a few other scraps in there that I covered. But he fought Henry Tillman again. Remember the guy that, that beat him in the LA Olympics? Yep. Uh, and beat him up in Edmonton. But after the Burt Cooper fight, I always sensed that the, the little bit of the wind was out of the DeWitt camp sails. Is that fair? Yeah, I was at uh, Ice Wars 2 uh, with uh, Blair Morin and the folks at the River Cree the other night. And, oh, yeah, what was that like? Uh, it was different. I mean, I'm not going to be a shrinking violet. I thoroughly admire, uh, and I think it takes an incredible amount of courage to, to fight. This is a little bit different because it's kind of staged fights. Uh, Kenny Lacusta was there. I had a brief conversation oh, with Kenny, uh, Al, Ford, <laughs> Al Ford was there. The Bulldog Scotty Olson was there. Uh, oh, that would have been fun. Uh, Chris Terrian was part of the broadcast team, the Flyers broadcast. A.J. Galante, the guy that did uh, the Danbury Thatchers uh, for his father, Jimmy Galante, yeah. who ended up yeah, spending yeah. some time in uh, the joint. Uh, he was... Uh, 
he's sort of the uh, promoter of the thing. Spec, you could write an entire book just off the per- uh, uh, Richard Morass. He was a prominent Indigenous lawyer. Uh, was uh, at our at our table. A good conversation with him. Blake Blake Dermott swears Richard Morassi was tougher than uh, uh, John Nasty Morassi. Is one of the toughest players ever in the minor league. So there is. Uh, remember Sean McMurrow when he came to Oilers camp in 08? He was at the event. Oh yeah. Uh, what I remember about Lacusa is he could take a punch. Uh, you know, Razor Ruddock. Mike Tyson said that Razor, Razor Ruddock hit as hard as anybody, and I, I know Lacusta fought Razor Ruddock and survived that. Uh, and I and I, I I think I think it was Tyson that said that uh, Lacusta was amongst the uh, toughest sparring guys that he ever worked with because he could really uh, he could really absorb blows. He's to be honest with you, Speck, I didn't notice him because he shaved his mustache, so I, I had to do a double take on him. But uh, no, it was interesting bumping into those guys the other night. So. Uh, Kenny, his boxing was so filled with characters, and Kenny was one of them. Man, is one of them. I mean, the one thing, you know, boxing is like horse racing. There's a lot of people that don't pay it any mind, but when you get inside a boxing and you meet the people, you know, and there's trainers and there's ex-fighters who are hanging around and they're like just the characters and the color and it's it's got you know people from coming out of the streets i mean anytime you came around around anyone that was involved with smoke and joel fraser's camp out of philly you know it was it, the people that came with, the, with that group were fascinating and funny and had stories to tell and they wanted to tell them bobby they wanted to go out to the pub that night or wherever we were going and let's talk and let's have a laugh. I haven't had much more fun in my life than a few years covering the boxing game. I can tell you that right now. All right. Well, transmission back to the Gretzky trade in a second. Uh, by the way, Bill Burr. Oh, Bob, the, Gr- the Gretzky sale. What's that? The Gretzky sale. The Gretzky sale, right. The Gretzky sale. Uh, Bill Burr was in Los Angeles during the Stanley Cup playoffs back in. You mentioned smoking Joe Fraser. And I remember his infamous Philly rant where he sat there and gave it back to Philadelphia for 15 minutes. It's considered absolute comic genius amongst all the comics out there. Okay. And, and one of his lines was, it, it had to do with, you know, it was, it was it was politically charged, right? But he just said, you're a city that has a statue for a make-believe character, and Smoke and Joe Fraser came from your city. So, <laughs> you know, referring to Rocky Balboa, it's one of the great lines of all time. So, there you go. Uh, Paul Coffey by the way, very good friend of uh, Bill Burr. All right, Spack, here we go. So the Gretzky sale, uh, and we're getting tons, tons coming in. Uh, this texter says, Oiler fan forever. I was 19 years old when the Gretzky trade, uh, when Gretzky was traded. I had just finished my shift at Tim Hortons in the West End. I got my car, and I heard breaking news on Chet about the trade. I literally sat in my car and cried. Then I composed myself and drove home. I remember it like yesterday. Speck, I gotta, I gotta ask you when that trade happened. So that's right around the time I started at CGSR working with John Saxsmith. Yeah. And CGSR, we all got our start there. We all got our starts there. And I remember 88-89 playoffs, the Kings came back from 3-1 down. I did not think the Oilers were going to be capable of winning the Cup again with that group. Did you? No, I don't think anyone did. I think that, you know, I mean, it's a, for today's listener who maybe you know, wasn't around then, it would be akin to, you know, let's fast forward five years. and let's say, the <laughs> let's, let's say the Oilers win a couple Stanley Cups and, and McDavid leaves and you go, that's it. They can't do it without McDavid. He's their best player. They'll never do it. And they would win another. We all knew that they had a good team, but I guess we all probably weren't positive 
you know, how much of that great team was Wayne Gretzky. Seemed to me it was a, a big, big, big portion, right? Gretzky, yes. Gretzky. And, and to, I mean, whoever would have said, don't worry, Wayne Gretzky will leave, but they'll win another cup. There wasn't a soul that thought that. And they did. Give him credit, man. Mess was a leader. And you know what? They came up with that that Graves, uh, Murphy, Carson line. I know, uh, Jelena line. Yeah, the kid line. The kid line. They always call it the kid line. Uh, those guys came out of nowhere. I mean, Graves would become a 50-goal scorer. You know, Murphy was a great player, and Marty played, a, I think, a 1,000 games. So, you know what? They figured it out. They got Bill Ranford came along. Not a bad little goaltender last I checked. Like, no one thought Bill Ranford was going to be as good as he was. And no one thought the Oilers could win. Give him credit. That 90 team was something special. You know, uh, it's funny because we might have Glenn, Glenn Anderson's back in town for his golf tournament. I think he's done it every year here since like 87 or 88. And I think he, and we're probably going to have him on the show tomorrow. Uh, and I, I think back to the series against Boston the, in 88 and again in 1990. And... Uh, Messier, Anderson, and Simpson just destroyed Boston in the 1990 final spec. Like, you take a look at the first two goals Edmonton scored in Game 5 in Boston when they had, quote-unquote, the, the Boston Tea Party. The only Santa Cup championship they uh, clinched on the road, right, was in 1990. And Glenn Anderson undressing Ray Bork. And and then and you know like that's Ray Borky beat like I know Mario got him once too but Glenn could do that to you and I think that was kind of you know it, it showed I mean they played Mark Lamb with Tickenden and Yari oh Curry my God. like Mark Lamb was a really important player remember they're down three one to the Jets and down three one in Game Five right. Yeah. And Mark Lamb led the charge back. They won that game against Winnipeg in the first round. They darn near never got through the first round that year, Bob, as you know. Yes. They're on the ropes. Smack, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break for about a minute and a half, two minutes. And when we come back, we're going to transition into the here and now of the Oilers and, and whether or not uh, the fan base is over sort of the, the trauma and the neurosis of what happened because there were several other players subsequently traded because the city couldn't, the team at the time couldn't afford to keep them. But we're at a different place now, and we'll discuss that when we return. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Delta Bessboro, 1991. 25-year-old broadcaster calling Canada Cup pre-tournament games. And that song, 
in the hotel bar got the boys going back in the day. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1249 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tell Brendan and Chris that Oilers Now sent you. As we, uh, just before we re-engage Mark Spector, the landscape has changed since the times of Peter Pocklinton. Uh, who sold Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier, or even during the times of the Edmonton Investors Group, where Kevin Lowe had to basically trade Bill Guerin and Doug Waite because the Oilers couldn't at that time afford $9 million a year players. We have a salary cap today, and the Oilers are now a Final Four team. And Ken Holland was on the show yesterday, and I asked him point blank, is Edmonton more of a destination now than they were even, say, two or three years ago? And I think that in the world that we live in, you know, with a cap world, players want to play on on teams that are competitive. And certainly, you know, what you know, when I became manager here three years ago, you know, the player it's, it's the player development, and, and and lots of the players that Peter Shirelli and his his people left behind when I take over have have grown into important. You know, the McLeods and the Bouchards and the and the Yamamoto's and and and, and, and you know, it's, it's drafting and developing. And I've tried to hang on to the trade a bunch of picks over the last three years to try to in the win now mode but i've tried i've hung on to the first round picks and you know we went this year we picked one and then we picked five uh but next year we've got most of our i think all of our picks except for maybe one pick so you know you got to draft and you got to develop we're trying to certainly we're in the win now mode when you look at the, the nucleus of the team and the age of the team and 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 how good they are we're in the win now mode so you you are spending some futures to try to help to win now but you've also got to have a push of kids to, in a salary cap world, so I would say to you that you know by by you know in my mind we've made the playoffs three years in a row. I know we lost in that playoff thing to Chicago, but I, we were going to make the playoffs in my mind. And, and then the pandemic hit, and 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 uh, you know we're, we're we're building and certainly going to the final four this year. You know when you're in the final four every second night in the third round of the playoffs, you're the only game in the entire National Hockey League. When we were playing Colorado, the entire hockey world was watching us and the next night they were watching uh, you know Tampa Bay uh, the Eastern Conference Finals so um, I think if we can continue to be competitive and and continue to be uh, um, compete with the elite teams in the league I don't care it matters it doesn't matter about the city it doesn't matter about the weather it doesn't matter about the country you're going to have players that want to come and play for your for your program and that's what we're trying to build and I think that last year going to the final four was was a was an incredibly important step in that process process of letting people know what a fabulous place Edmonton is to play, what an incredible fan base, what a passionate fan base, what an incredible uh, facility. We've got one of the best facilities in the world with an attached practice practice rink, and that's what going to the Final Four you know, helps get your message out, that you've got really good players, but you've also got all these other things, the fan base, the, the city, the, 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 the facilities. Um, I think that, that, that certainly a Final Four helps get that 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 news out there. That's Ken Holland yesterday. We re-engage Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. The Canadian Derby Saturday, August 20th at Century Mile. Tickets available. All right, Spec, uh, what do you think? Uh, are, is it a completely different world right now than, you know, I mean, we think back to the Gretzky sale, the Messier sale, or for that matter, Doug Waite and Bill Guerin being traded by Kevin Lowe during the days of the Edmonton Investors Group. It is a different time, isn't it? Well, it's a completely different time economically because we're in a cap system now when we weren't then. You know, I can remember the days when the owners were spending $25 million and the Detroit Red Wings were spending $75 million. 
So, you know, that now we're, we're in, not only are we in a cap system, but Edmonton is at the cap every year. Edmonton is a, is a big economic heavyweight in the league now, as opposed to all those years. Had they been back then, there would have been a lot less sales and probably a few more cups, Bob. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting, man. Like it's, you know, I can tell you right now, I've had a couple really interesting calls from like a couple guys. I'm surprised, like, you know, let's just say I know for a fact, Spec, that there are quality veteran players that have made, uh, you know, 50-plus million that are currently unsigned. They want to come here. They want to be a part of it. You know, and they, now, saying that, where can you drive your numbers better than at Edmonton? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there, there's two guys that you're, that you're eligible for now. You're eligible for, let's, let's call it the Evander Kane signing. The guy that signs that's only got a half a year or a year and he wants to really impress the market and go out there and find another great contract. As it turned out, Kane found his contract here in Edmonton, which is just great. But you're eligible for that guy, particularly when he's a winger because he knows he can come here and knock his stock up. And now you're also eligible for those guys. You remember uh, Ken Holland in Detroit was bringing those guys in all the time, the Larry Murphys and the Chris Chelioses and the guys later in their career – yeah. Uh, you know, Luke Robitaille, all those guys back then. You're eligible now for let's let's throw the name Phil Kessel out there. Sure, he's made enough money. He doesn't need a bunch more. He money. He wants to win. He wants to win, and he he'll sign a one year deal. He'll sign it for cheap. Edmonton Oilers are eligible for that to get that player now because they're the final four team, and everyone's looking at them like they got an excellent chance to challenge for a Stanley Cup. And and we haven't said this on your show, Bob, for years and years. But the orders aren't just a contender now. They're a Stanley Cup contender. And that's there's a difference between the two. Mark, a crazy side note. I don't know if you heard the stat earlier in the show. Uh, Ken talked about drafting and developing. Okay, So I, I basically went through every organization in the league dating back to 2013. Because the Oilers traded Yakupov, uh, and he's no longer in the NHL. First overall pick in 2012. But the Oilers, yep. have, they've, they've made a first-round pick. every, So they've made 10 first-round picks since 2013. Every year they've made one. Okay? So uh, uh, we'll start with this. The genesis of this started with me looking at teams that were top 12 last year, okay? Because the Oilers were 11th. Of the top 12 teams, there's only two teams that have got a first-rounder from each of the last four draft years, Edmonton and Minnesota. Okay, they're the only two teams that can say that. Now, Minnesota's going to be in a bit of a rebuild because they're going to get hammered uh, because of the buyouts on Parisi and Suter over the next two years, right, with Bill Guerin. But he's done a good job, And but they've got first-rounders the last four years. There's only one team in the league, Mark, dating back to the 2013 draft. So okay. it's 10 drafts. There's only one team in the league uh, that uh, has uh, made a first-rounder every year that's got the first-rounder still currently with their NHL organization. Guess who that team is? Is it Edmonton? It's Edmonton. And the and what's, what's interesting about that is the Oilers have had three different general managers during that time. Right. But they've got all so you know, and and we might see Paul Yarvey get moved at some point. But you know, we're not seeing Nurse McDavid or Drysaddle going. You know, Nurse in 2013, Drysaddle 2014, Connor in 2015. We're not seeing those guys going anywhere. You know, anywhere. And now they've got four more guys that are, you know, Broberg and Holloway that are close, and then Borgo and and uh, Schaefer a little bit further out that are, you know, maybe fundamental pieces in the in, in the future. You know what I'm saying? So Ken keep reference that piece, drafting the development. He's held on to his first-round picks. It's worked out, hasn't it? Well, listen, there, there's two sides to this. You're right. You're right. It's worked out. Now, 
when the Oilers were not a very good team and they were picking in the top five every year or the top one, of course they hung on to their picks, Bob. Yes. They're all fair comment. Top, fair comment. Know, picking high, high, high. But but the the credit that should be given is there's a lot of you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs over all the many years they've traded away more first round picks. I haven't done the study you did, but I'll bet you there's not many teams that haven't won anything that have traded away more first round picks. You know. You better win. You're going to trade away a first-round pick for Dwayne Rolison. You better get to the cup. Well, the Oilers did in 06. So the credit goes to, you know, certainly to Holland here in the last three years. He's traded some draft picks. He's done some wheeling and dealing. There's been a lot of pressure to win. He's delivered. But he's also delivered while hanging on to the first-round pick. I know he's traded some other draft picks, Bobby. But he's kept his first-round yeah. picks. And Borgo looks like a player. And, and, you know, you're never going to know if you don't pick him. The and they do have a Holloway showing up here this year. Broberg's going to play. They got some first round picks that are going to help this team. Yeah. Uh, Rodian Amurov, I believe, is the only first rounder the Leafs have got from the last four years. Spec. And he has struggled as a, as a prospect. Uh, right. Now, they like Matthew Nice quite a bit in Toronto, uh, but Toronto's moved a lot of picks in and out. Actually, oh my God. You know, like. And they haven't won, Bob. That's the point. You're going to move a pick. And then, you know, it's the old story. It's, it's, it's Calgary trading. Um, uh, who did Calgary trade? Brett Hull. Yep. It's Calgary trading Brett Hull. You can second-guess that trade all day, but you do look. They won the Cup in 89. The, yeah, you look at the Stanley Cup rings that they're wearing in that organization, and I'm not second-guessing that trade anymore, right? Yeah, I hear you. Spec, we're <laughs> going to keep you for another half hour. Stay with us, okay? All right. It is uh, Stoffer Inspector for the Horses and Horse Racing in Alberta, 1259 in Edmonton, and off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell.